You're about to listen to Johnny and Hawk, covering all things Oklahoma sports, from the prep ranks to the college level, as well as the Thunder and Minor League Sports Tulsa. Now let's get to your hosts, Johnny Resendez and Dan Hawk. Welcome into the Johnny and the Hawk podcast. I'm Dan Hawk, always joined by my counterpart. That is Johnny Resendez. Johnny, how was your weekend? Well, it was something to behold, Dan. I got to tell you, it was one of the best sports weekends I have been, uh, I've enjoyed in a while. You got all the football games, right? And then after, on the same day of college football, you had all those combat sports. Canelo Alvarez, UFC 268. It was a really good time. And then Sunday was kind of a dud because of the NFL games. Not going to get into that. We're not going to get into NFL stuff. This is about college Oklahoma football right now. And let's get started with OSU. Yeah, big win on the road in Morgantown. It was good to see that OSU pulled off the victory in this one. I never thought that they were going to lose this game, but I thought that this matchup was going to be a little bit closer than what it ended up being in Morgantown. It's good to see that they're staying on the right side of the football right now as they head in back home this weekend. But I just wanted to see a little bit more out of the offense, because I think this would have been a perfect opportunity to spread it out a little bit. What did you think, Johnny? Well, I kind of disagree in the fact of, of the offense. I thought the offense played as good as they can. I mean, it was in Morgantown. Obviously, that's a really hard place to play. West Virginia, you know, they've been pretty good the past two weeks coming into the coming into the game on Saturday. So I think the offense played well, especially the fact, you know, given how they performed over the past uh, few games. But, man... Dan, I, I got to tell you, man, though that defense is solid good. I got some numbers here that I was shocked at when I first uh, heard them because this is not OSU stuff. This You would hear this from a Big Ten team or an SEC team. You wouldn't hear this from a Big 12 high-power offense traditional team like OSU. First time since 1949 that OSU has held a conference opponent without a touchdown. Wow. Twice. Twice. Wow. In Kansas and West Virginia. Here's another one. The past two games, OSU has held Kansas and West Virginia two for 27 on third downs. Two for 27. And I know what some people may be thinking, Kansas, West Virginia, what's the big deal of their offenses? It's the consistency that I like. And with OSU against Kansas, you know, it was Kansas, it was at home. But to go to Morgantown, it's really important to have these type of performances on the road because that elevates the confidence of the team in general. I mean, you saw against Texas, uh, we went to Austin. That was a good win. These road wins are important to keep up the momentum for OSU coming into the last stretch of the season. And they're going to need it because TCU right now, even though Gary Patterson's gone, it's it seems like a revitalized team, especially after they're showing against Baylor. And then you got Texas Tech. You know, the, Texas Tech has kind of been up and down this season, but you still can't uh, underestimate the right Raiders. And then you got the big game in Stillwater against OU, which is Bedlam. So this is a really, really big stretch for OSU. Who knows what could happen? Because they, remember, right now OSU is on the driver's seat to be the second team in the Big 12 championship right there with Oklahoma. If OSU were to win out, the entire rest of the season, I think you may be looking at OSU in the playoff, Dan. Yeah, no, I see that too. And what, when I want to clarify what I'm talking about the offense is it was good to see Tay Martin pick up a pair of touchdowns, but I want to see more touchdowns out of Brendan Presley. And when it comes in the backfield, it was nice to see Jalen Warren get a little bit of a break. But I, I want to see more scoring plays. I, I feel at this point in the season where we've seen this team, the, it, 
I just want to see like 40 points up on the board when it's not playing Kansas, if that makes sense. I mean, I want them to impress the committee that their offense is just as good as their defense, which it's not right now. I'm not comparing it. But I would like them to raise some eyebrows on the committee because I think that is the difference that's going to get them into playoff football, if that makes sense to you. I'm not saying the offense played poorly. It did not. It put up 24 points on the board. But, I I mean, I want to see more out of Sanders. I mean, only throwing 182 passing yards with two touchdowns. He did have the one interception. Obviously, it was on a spectacular play by Dante Stills, the Big 12 or All-American, All-Big 12 team. But I I just want to see a 300-plus yard game out of Sanders. Is that fair? That's absolutely fair. And you kind of mentioned the, you know, convincing the committee and everything. Right now in the AP poll that just came out, OSU is, I think, back at 7, actually, in the AP poll. Who knows what the college football playoff committee is going to think of OSU after that win. I suspect them to be probably – Number 10, number 9, probably, now that Wake Forest is out because they lost. Um, But, you know, I feel like— They have them at 10 in the AP right now. Oh, 10 at the AP. Gotcha. Uh, But back to the offense. Uh, Yeah, Tay Martin definitely uh, is—he's, like, slowly building himself to be the number one receiver. But I kind of agree with you in the fact that, like, you know, we talk about— QB receiver duels that we've seen at OSU, Whedon and Justin Blackman, obviously Rudolph and Washington. Those type of connections, you're used to seeing those connections in for Oklahoma State offenses. And you're starting to see it with Spencers and Martin, but it's not as dynamic and high-powered as those other two pairings were. And I agree that that for someone who's watched OSU football extensively, that could be kind of a head-scratcher because you're like, oh, we're just used to this. We're used to... You know, them connecting for 30, 40, 50 yard passes and everything. Um, but I, I got to tell you, the same the, the on the other side, the defense. I mean, we're talking about a top top five defense oh, in 100%. the nation right now. I think that right now, I mean, you obviously got Georgia. Obviously, you got Wisconsin. I, I would de- definitely put Iowa up there. But other than that, OSU's defense has really stepped up to be a national powerhouse unit. And and a lot of that credit, it has to go to Wagner's own Malcolm Rodriguez. Nine tackles on Saturday brings him to 366 career takedowns. Just three from tying for fifth on OSU's all-time list. Think about that for a second. He's sixth right now all-time with 366. John Corker, 496. That was back in the 70s, 1976 to 79. I don't know if he's going to get to the 490 mark at the season end. I mean, that's going to have to come up with a lot of tackles. But he probably will finish, I would say, above 400. Is that fair to say? I would. That's that's fair to say. And I mean, he. I don't see him beating the record though. Right. No. The thing about Michael Rodriguez is that he's just everywhere. But it's also really. Neat to see that he's just got some dogs on the side, like on all po- sides of the field, like on his side. You got Devin Harper and Brock Martin. Each had two sacks apiece. I mean, you want to talk about dominating the line of scrimmage? Brock Martin, if he stays healthy, he's going to play in the NFL. He is. They had eight sacks against West Virginia. They completely dominated the trenches there. Um, and I don't know what you may think of that of um, of Colin Oliver, but as a true freshman. This guy is legit, Dan. Yeah, Colin Oliver, he's already playing out of his shoes, man. Like, I just the things that he's been able to do. Um, 
Another sack on Saturday, bringing his season total to five and a half, which leads the team after their sack happy Saturday. I mean, this is just stuff that I can't believe as a freshman he's pulling stuff like this. He could be another one that's going to be playing in the NFL if he continues to play like this. Obviously, there's plenty of season left, and he's still a freshman. But what he's able to do with this defense, if they're not giving Jim Knowles an extension on a contract or paying that man more money, then they, OSU's got some real problems. They need to give him the Stillwater special. Give yes. him a give him a a life a free. Eskimo Joe's for life. Yeah, exactly. I love they it. Need to I love just it. throw everything at him. Give him a, Th- give him a, a him. steely wheat beer named after him, the Noel special, or you know whatever you want to call it. I, because the defense has been the, the the catalyst that has helped this team win big games and do things really, really special. Now the only frustrating thing is that awful, awful loss on the road at Iowa State. It's always Iowa State. But you know what? Even then – the Big 12 kind of played itself out to where it might be okay in the end because to keep in mind, OSU was still, despite the loss against Iowa State, and they were ranked at the time, mind you, OSU still has a good amount of wins against ranked opponents. In fact, I think they're top five in wins against ranked opponents this season. So you bring into consideration, I mean, you got TCU and um, and Texas Tech, two teams that you're not going to expect to be ranked um, during the next three weeks or so. But, you know, these are probably some games where you could get stuck and you could get trapped, and if you're not 100% prepared to play, you could lose those games. So OSU really needs to keep their foot on the gas. They cannot stay sleeping on any of these teams, especially when you're at home. It's going to be a big day, 7 p.m. kickoff. You're going to unveil the Barry Sanders statue uh, at Boone Pickens Stadium. It's going to be a good night, but if you are caught sleeping, that is going to be really bad for OSU, especially with TCU, like I said, being a revitalized team. And then you're at Texas Tech. You never know what's going to happen in Lubbock, especially with those fans being rowdy. And then obviously Bedlam. But right now, OSU, I feel like, is they're in really good position to make the Big 12 championship game. And, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see whether the committee at the end of the season, whoever is the champ, whether it's OU and or OSU, the Big 12 champion, who knows if they're going to get a ticket to the college football playoff with Cincinnati, which we're going to talk about very, very soon, with Alabama, who, I mean, Alabama's probably going to get in if they win out. I'm just being honest here. But they which do is not look like they do not look like they're the number no, two team no. in the nation. They all they almost lost to Florida, which ended up, I mean, we've seen what Florida has become this season. They almost lost to LSU last week. They lost, lost to Texas A&M. Mind you, it was a road loss and everything, but still, Texas A&M is not as good of a team as, say, you know, Georgia or any of the other teams that are in in, in contention right now. So this Alabama team, who knows what they're really made of when they face a really good team. And Georgia, I think, right now is separating itself amongst the pack and the college football landscape as the top dogs, pun intended, um, of the game right now. And you got Oregon and Ohio State. Who knows what's going to happen there, especially with Michigan State now out. If Ohio State ends up winning out, I mean, they're in prime position to really make the college football playoff themselves. Um, so who knows whether a Big 12 champ is going to make it to the to the CFP but it's going to be an exciting three weeks, Dan. Yeah, it is going to be a, an exciting three weeks. And going in a little deeper into the 
you know, the Big 12 conference as it shakes out for the rest of the way, we're setting up to be one of the most amazing bedlam matches that has happened in a long time. And in a game that potentially, I think OSU could give Oklahoma a game. The Cowboys stand alone right now in second place in the Big 12. Obviously, they're behind Oklahoma because Oklahoma is still undefeated. And then the possibility of a bedlam matchup in Arlington, it just seems like it's going to come full circle. Now, remember, though, Oklahoma still has to play the likes of Baylor, Iowa State, and then close it out with Oklahoma State. I, I do believe that this, we're going to get a bedlam matchup that's going to be s- talked about for the ages. And then adding on to that, we're probably going to get a rematch of the Big 12 championship with the two teams playing against each other. That's going to be the kicker. You talked about getting a CFP spot. That's going to be the ultimate kicker for OSU because if they beat Oklahoma, it's very tough to beat the same team twice. twice. It's so difficult to beat that same team twice, especially with the fact that you just played them. Not in the fact, oh, you played them earlier in the season, and then you got to play them. No, no, you literally just played them a week ago. Try getting ready for something like that. It doesn't happen that often that a team beats the other team two times in a row after facing one another. Absolutely. And obviously, because they have the one loss – they have, to win. they have to win the, both games. It's even more high stakes. There's no wiggle room here. You may get some wiggle room for OU because let's say they do lose at Stillwater. They could regroup they, and win the Big 12 championship as a one-loss team. they could possibly get in there. The one thing that we, we didn't put on our show docket that I wanted to discuss with you is the Heisman. Just I, I'm just talking it locally. We're not going to do the whole national spectrum of things. Do you think Caleb Williams, because of the way this college football has shaken out, where Alabama it does not look like Alabama? I mean, they barely beat LSU twenty to fourteen this past week. Do you really think a guy like Caleb Williams will get a honest shake at possibly winning this trophy, even though he did not start the full season? You know, I think he does. And when you say honest shake, I'm assuming you mean top three. I think he yeah, does. Yeah, top three. Because right now, Bryce Young obviously is gonna, you know. He's the Alabama QB, highest-ranked QB they've ever recruited. Um, but, you know, right now, Alabama doesn't seem like they're in all cylinders as they used to be, especially last season when they won. Obviously, Kenneth Walker, uh, he's a, just an absolute stud for Michigan State, but they just came off a really bad loss, a really, really bad loss. And then you got other quarterbacks where – you know, should they finish the season strong, they could make a case. You got Matt Corral at Ole Miss. I mean, he's a really good QB um, who's who's given some, some pretty big wins um, for the Rebels. But the one that I really am impressed with, especially these past few weeks, Dan, is C.J. Stroud, the QB for Ohio State. That offense is absolutely sick. They just go for your throat, they go for your soul. That team looks like they are in prime position to make the playoff again. Um, so if you were to tell me between Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, I would take those two for sure as the top three. And then, and then, assuming where OU is when it's all said and done, I would probably put Caleb Williams up there. Because let's say, uh, you know, Michigan State still has to go up against Ohio State. They still have a tough, tough schedule. I mean, you never know what's going to happen because they just lost this past week. You got Ole Miss. By all accounts, it's the SEC. It's going to be tough for them. Who knows? 
a loss can really derail someone's chances of winning the Heisman Trophy. You kind of saw that with um, with with Trevor Lawrence a few times whenever he was with Clemson. I remember whenever there was talks of Chuba um, winning the Heisman, a loss um, that we would get uh, kind of derailed those pretty badly. Um, so right now I feel like it's a QB battle between Williams, Stroud, and Young. And I, I got to tell you, this um, this – this is probably one of the weirdest times for a Heisman trophy race because you don't really know who and who is going to go away with it because there's not one that's really flashy right now. But I would say Caleb Williams' story of coming in the middle of the season in a rivalry game as a true freshman and then taking over and playing like how he's playing, you know, that that is definitely something i just don't know whether they're gonna uh, the heisman trophy whoever determines it is gonna be basing the odds or basing the winner on who is the best player in college football that season and who's had the flashiest plays who's had the better story this college football season dan yeah no you nailed it right on the head when it comes to caleb williams and you know potentially possibly winning uh, this Heisman. Hey, I want to switch gears a little bit. We didn't have this on the rundown. I want to play some sound. This is from the NCAA dropping the hammer on OSU basketball, because I want to touch a little bit on this because I know you have a, a lot of opinions on this. And here is uh, head coach Mike Boynton after the NCAA ruled that they will not be playing in a postseason tournament. We had a 300, one $300 violation. No failure to monitor no lack of institutional control. We had a 300, one $300 violation. No failure to monitor. No lack of institutional control. No recruiting violations. No head coach responsibility. No players playing ineligible. So if you got some of those things going on, don't do what we did. What we did was we asked them that we work with them through this process. On January 20th of 2020, I flew to Atlanta to do the first round of this process with the NCAA. The next day we played OU here. It was important that I be there. I went to Atlanta for no reason to cooperate with them, to cooperate with John Duncan and Sharika Montgomery and Russell Register. And then this year, on February 7th, while in Lawrence, Kansas, for a game, the day we played, we had an appeal hearing. And we cooperated. And we showed up. And we'd answer their questions. And we provided all the information they asked. So if you're one of those other schools, be careful what they ask you for. Stan Wilcox should be ashamed that he gave this mandate because this was about trying to save face for something that was uncovered, not because of their doing. And now our cooperation has made it worse for a guy like Isaac Likely, who was nowhere near Stillwater when this was happening. I had a young man in my meeting last night raise his hand and ask me, Coach, what are we talking about? 
that's how long it's been. You know, fair point from head coach Mike Boynton regarding the situation with the NCAA, Johnny. I, look, I'm a journalist. You're a journalist. You're, you were supposed to have – like, we can be fans of sports. Everybody that listens to our podcast understands that. But on this situation with what's going on with uh, Boy, uh, Oklahoma State, this is just wrong. I mean, this this is just wrong. It, it, my biggest takeaway with this is if you're going to allow them to play in the NCAA tournament last year and not let them play this year, it, it's coming down to one reason. You can make money off of these kids because who's the number one overall pick? It was Cade Cunningham, and you're absolutely right. The timing of this is just insane. And, you know, I, I like the point that you made, how we're journalists, we, especially as people who like to cover sports, we, as journalists, have the job of tuning ourselves out whenever a game is on in terms of emotions. We have to separate ourselves from our fandom to our job of being a journalist. But when you see a story like this, forget about the fact that, you know, I went there and everything like that. It's universally known that this is absolutely unjust. An organization who, I mean, what is the point of the NCAA at this point? Well, you got NIL now, and now with this sanctioning and everything who knows what this happened what was it 2016 is when this happened 2017 yeah i mean these kids were freshmen in high school that's how far back we freshmen gotta go freshmen in high school dan freshmen in high school and they're dealing with something lamont they're dealing with lamont evans giving a player 300 bucks which was paid back and Three he bills. was fired he was fired immediately he was fired after on they found the spot out. and osu for the lack of a better word you know, tattled on themselves, told the NCAA, hey, we just had something. Here you go. Uh, we'll fully cooperate. And that's what happened. And you see some of the inconsistencies in this argument uh, that the NCAA has with what happened in South Carolina. And then you got other schools like Kansas who's got a lot more violations. What's going to happen to them? I really want to know what will happen to the quote-unquote blue blood of college basketball. Because if OSU is going to be made the example here as the little guy who just got punished like that, and yet the big dog gets a slap on the wrist, it's going to set a really, really, really poor precedent. I have much more words to say that I cannot really say on airwaves, Dan. Yeah, no, I, I, I get that. The I, fact that, I mean, you like you said, likely, Bryce Williams, I mean, you had a... Um, who's now off? Uh, he's off the team for right now because he uh, had a DUI, right? And so he's not going to be with the Pokes. He right. pro- he'll, he'll return at some point, but obviously he's handling some issues. Right. Off, Bryce off the court. Thompson. I mean, these are players that were not even close to being part of that team. Not even close. And yeah, it's just it, it's it's just a scummy situation. That's how I the way I look at it. it my my biggest takeaway with this is. Think about this for a second. Mike Boynton wasn't even the head coach. Mm-mm. These kids were freshmen in high school. The head coach that was at the helm at that time was Brad Underwood, no longer even on staff. He's head coach of the University of Illinois. Lamont Evans is fired immediately on the spot, and yet the NCAA has dragged this forever. We didn't – We The timing Boynton's, is just so The horrible. timing is awful because so horrible. Mike Boynton – he said it in that soundbite that we played. He went all the way to Atlanta the day before Bedlam and then came all the way back to do a Bedlam game. Bedlam, which is one of the biggest games for college basketball in the Big 12. They had another hearing against Kansas that exact same day they exactly. played against Kansas. 
and, and, and he gave them all the answers. And I didn't run the soundbite, but he made a very good point, which is for those other teams, if you're under the microscope, don't tell them anything. Because right. they played fair. They did exactly what they were supposed to do for the NCAA. And what ended up happening for them? Nothing but negativity. Right. They're, I really do hope that the school um, – Big files, 12 is pushing to potentially let them play in the Big 12 tournament. Yeah. I hope the, the school um, does some type of legal action. If I hope so too, but it's a lot of money. It's it, a lot of money. You know, it's hard to appeal the appeal. You know? And I was told that the 80-page document that was regarding all of this – Guess how many times Mike Boynton name was mentioned in the document? Zero. That is correct. Zero times. Not one time. Look, I'm not I'm I'm not fanboy OSU cowboy here, and I know this podcast today has been a lot about OSU, and we understand that. But even OU people have have spoken to me saying that this isn't right. It's it's not correct. There's been so many teams that have broken more violations. South Carolina, for example, for what's gone on with basketball. And they're, they're not being in the same – I don't even know what to classify. They're not even held to the same standards as OSU. And it's just frustrating. It's very, very frustrating to see the, the Cowboys basically get screwed by the NCAA. And I think it's going to be the end of the NCAA because I've never once in my time of covering sports, I've never seen a coach flat out say names – yeah, that are represented he by the names. NCAA. Literally said every single one of their names. I don't know about you, but that was the greatest recruiting pitch. If you're a high school kid that's looking to go play for a coach, if you don't want to go play for head coach Mike Boynton, you're insane. Not just kid. I mean, think about a parent. You that's know, right. You're, you're thinking. He's about, got your back more than anybody out there. You're thinking about sending your kids to a school, probably in a state where they know nobody. Where you know, the, the you know, you know, we've been to college before. The, the the temptations of college and everything like that could be really distracting. You need somebody to lead you into the right direction while keeping you accountable on and off uh, the court. Mike Boynton is that guy, and that press conference showed that he is that guy. And if I was a parent. I would want my kid to play for someone like Mike Boyden, who wears his emotions on his sleeve, who has deep, deep love for his job and for the university, and more importantly, Dan, above everything, love for his players. Too. Yes. And the fact that, you know, who knows if they're going to be able to compete in the Big 12 tournament, um, that is yet to be seen. But the fact that March Madness is out, especially with with against with, with guys like Isaac Likely and the team, um, it's just really heartbreaking. And yeah, it sucks and, because and the the final point that I want to make on it with you is, it's not just sad for the for that this team. It's sad for the next team as well, and and it's sad for the kids that transferred in. Bryce Thompson, mm-hmm. he left a program that he wasn't happy with because he wanted to get more playing time, and that's fine. I respect that. But now he doesn't even get to play in a tournament, and you know that was one reason why he came to OSU is he wanted to play in the tournament, right? I mean, he's may he may have to wait a little bit longer for that. Um, you know, it's gonna be the one Memphis of those transfer, the same thing. Yep, it's gonna be one of those things where just like who knows? And you know, there's only a finite amount of time in college sports for these players to really show out like that. Um, you know, like I said, who knows if they're gonna be able to you know press legal charges or not? Press yeah. legal charges if they're gonna be able to play the Big Twelve tournament. Uh, but this is a really just a really just frustrating thing because, like I said. 
what is the point of the NCAA now? There's literally zero, like, the NIL, it's over. It's over. You, you can't sanction them for, you know, obviously there should be something whenever, if, like, there's cheating and everything, there should be sanctions down. But that's fair and just if there's evidence and if it's reasonable. This was completely unreasonable by the NCAA. 100%. And I'm glad Mike Boynton dropped names. I'm glad he added them because now th- there's maybe not a face, but there's a name to it, and now they could really be under the microscope of the public. That way. And I just want to add one other thing. Uh, the Associated Press, you know, had their uh, basketball poll. Right now they're right on the outside looking in on a top 25 ranking. You're right. No, this team This team was thinking about when Bryce Thompson transferred, I mean, this team looked like it could make another run at the tournament. Yes, for it sure. did. For sure. And now, who knows? It's one-year ban of the tournament. Uh, this is just really heartbreaking, especially yeah. for the seniors of the team. I really hope, and, you know, this is not just, you know, this is me as a fan, but at the same time, it'd be really good for college basketball if OSU were to be able to win the uh, the Big 12 regular season title, that would definitely be something uh, to behold for sure. Like I said, who knows if legal action will even work at this time. If it were me, if I was the president of OSU, I would make that money. I would, I would, I would make that bet. I would spend that money, and I'd be like, we're giving these kids the chance to play at the tournament. Yeah, so would I. Uh, our final topic that we're going to touch on real quickly to wrap things up for this week's edition of the Johnny and the Hawk podcast, it's high school football. It's that the time. Regular season has ended. It's now on to the playoffs. It's the win or go home time, and I'm just going to sum it up. I think it's going to be a Jinx Union 6A1 matchup, and okay. it's probably setting up for the ages. I know that's going to upset a bunch of West Side people, but – I mean, I'm sorry, but when it comes to high school football, this side of the state is just better when it comes to high school football. No one, I, I don't care who Bixby plays, no one's going to beat Bixby. Bixby's going to walk away with the 6A2 title. And when it comes down to 5A, I, I'm, I'm not going to go against the west side on this one. I think Carl Albert will probably raise another gold ball at season end. Yeah, oh, like you said, with Class 6A2, I mean, Bixby, I mean, you got they played Putnam City North. Uh, Bixby has just been balling out all year long. You saw what they did against uh, Booker T. Washington. Um, the only team that I could really think that they that could meet them in the championship could be Booker T. If they take care of Stillwater, or it could be Stillwater. Who knows? Um, but we've seen what Bixby's done against those teams yeah, time I mean, they- and time and time again. It's, it's really something to behold, Dan, because we don't really see – you see this dominance in high school sports often, but the fact that Bixby's just been doing this year in and year out, it it, it just doesn't seem fair anymore. No, it 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 truly doesn't. I mean, looking at the bracket, Bixby's uh, will be taking on Putnam City North on the other side for our local teams. Um, we've got Sand Springs taking on Dell City. B- uh, Booker T. Washington will take on Stillwater, and I think that Booker T. Washington Stillwater. That's that. That's the game. It's not the Bixby game because Bixby's going to roll on to the semifinals, which will take place on November the 19th. Um, going back to 6A1, Jinx will take on Norman North. UConn will take on Union. Mustang will take on Edmond Santa Fe. And then we've got another blanket chip bowl game with Josh and Father Bill. They will be squaring off with one another. So it, as it looks right now, Unless there's an upset, it looks like we're probably going to have a Jinx versus Union state championship because Owasso is down this season, and I just I just don't see it happening. 
this year for Owasso because they're not the same Owasso that was in years past. And so I, I just don't see it. At 5A, that's where things get really crazy, uh, especially for our side of the state because Pryor takes on Bishop Kelly, Sepulpa takes on McAllister, and on the other side of the bracket, you got Coweta taking on Tahlequah, Collinsville is taking on Shawnee, and then you have – that's it. The rest are all West Side teams. And so I think it's probably going to be another West Side team raising the 5A gold ball. What do you think, Johnny? Yeah, I definitely think that it could be one of those. You know, we talk about high school football here in the state of Oklahoma. 6A is dominated by the Tulsa teams. Um, but you mentioned a few of the teams right there that are um, – in the playoff bracket for Class 5A. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's going to be really tight. And, you know, this is Class 5A is no joke either. This is going to be one of those things where any given team could lose or win. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be one of those things where, I mean, it could be really a toss-up. Um, Tahlequah at Coweta, that could be a good one. Shawnee at Collinsville, uh, I'm excited to see that game for sure. Um, but... You know, with 5A, I would definitely say you're right. We may see a state championship um, go to the west side in that um, in that division or that conference. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Dropping down to 4A, Wagner's going to be taking on Hilldale. Katusa will be taking on Poto. Um, and then on the other side, we have Broken Bow taking on our area team, which is Bristow. For, for that one when it comes down to 4a the the only the team that I would say that you, you can't bet against is the fighting Malcolm Rodriguez's of Wagner because they've been pretty legit and I just don't see that changing anytime soon D- dropping down to 3a we got a handful of teams in that Lincoln Christian versus Vanita uh Berry Hill versus Stigler and then on the other side Vertigris versus Seminole as well as Hall and Hall versus Shakota. Um, I, I, I would have said Hall and Hall would have been a no-brainer for this one, but Vertigris, if I remember right, upset Hall and Hall earlier in the year. So that could cause some headaches as well um, when it comes all down to it. And then finally, dropping down to the final one, which is 2A that we're going to discuss, because when it goes below that, I'm not going to lie, my background below 2A is pretty nil. But you have Sperry versus Metro Christian. Um, Victory Christian at Adair. Uh, I think Victory Christian could win the Class 2A state championship. The crazy thing about Victory Christian, uh, I don't know if you knew this, but they upset Beggs or they, they beat Beggs earlier this week for the district title. And Beggs, their running back, C.J. Brown, committed to Oklahoma State as a running back. So uh, I'm not going to count Beggs completely out for the playoffs. Uh, they will be traveling to Sequoia, Claremore. It's gonna be a big game right there. For that, that's that's a very big game on that one. Rejoice Christian will take on Kiefer, um, and I believe that's it. I've already said Metro Christian. So we're coming down to the wire. The state championships will be coming up here before we know it. The only thing about the state championship is it's always going to be. It looks like it for the years to come. It's going to be in Edmond, Oklahoma, which I'm not completely sold on because if it's too. Uh, East side teams. I don't think they need to make that trip down to UCL. That's just my take. I'm sorry. Yeah, I kind of agree with you on that. Uh, it's a long trip. It's a long trip. I feel like they do that because they want to keep it central, kind of a neutral, it. central location. I, I get it, but find a venue for the two East side teams to play. Like I, you know, on the radio show, we've talked about this about 
if we made it a all-day state experience, people will watch. I don't buy it because I've covered the state title now. This will be my third year in a row of covering it. That's not the case. People don't stay all day to watch the games. They just don't. I mean, Carl Albert played the 5A game that night, and Jinx played in the afternoon. There was no Jinx fans there. They there was, left. They, 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 um, I feel like they're trying to emulate what they do in Texas. So what they do in Texas, they either pick right. NRG, AT&T Stadium. But it's indoors. It's indoors. It's a gigantic football stadium. And there's plenty of room for, like, you know, normal spectators. Right. But, but the fans are always there. You're the fans indoors. Are there. That's yeah. the caveat. Look, I'm from Idaho, man. We played this stupid potato bowl in Idaho in December. Do you really want to go play football in December? There's only there's two spots that like to play football in the cold, and they're not at the college level, and they're not at the high school level. It's the Bills and the Packers. That's it. Yep. Who likes to play in cold weather? You hate the cold, Johnny. I hate the cold. Texas boy, hate the cold. That's right. Um... And that's why you can't do it that way. If we had, is there any indoor facility in Oklahoma? Not big enough or not worthy enough of the state title, no. You I mean, can the, you make the BOK Center? If you took it all out, can you make it a football? I don't think you can. I don't think you can. <laughs> is there any arena on the west side in Oklahoma City? Is there nope. any? Nope. There's not. Nope. We, Oklahoma. The, okay, I take it back. There's two venues that you could do. We. I just thought of it. You're not going to have fans, but you'd have a full football field. OU's indoor facility and Oklahoma State's indoor facility. You're going to have no fans, but they can play indoors that way. That's your only way to do it if you want to make it an all-day venue because no one wants to sit in the cold. I'm not going to lie to you. I hate covering the state title game for being cold. I like watching the games because it's some of the best high school football that you will see all season long, and I respect the players playing it. But I get cold holding a metal camera. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Do you like holding a metal camera when I it's cold? I do not. Exactly. It's not fun shooting those games when I'm freezing on the sideline. There, I've said it. But I'm not I'm not slamming it that I don't like covering high school football. I just don't like being cold. And it's a cold game to cover. Cold game to cover. Cold game in general. It's you gotta know, you gotta be with the elements in football. You're that's why you're when you're covering the sport, you're right there in the middle of the game. You feel every single bit of the cold as the players do. And it's not fun. It's not fun. <laughs> it's not fun. For those fun. of you who think that we're just being uh, babies. Go sit in a crowd and sit on that cold metal bleacher, don't have a blanket and just sit there. Stay standing. You can't even sit sit yes. down. Stay standing it's cold. the whole time. And, and Oklahoma gets real cold. I can't believe I'm still wearing shorts, but it's like 74 degrees especially today. If it's like a, if, especially if it's like a bowl. Right. Like all the wind just comes in and everything. And now, I will like, say this. If it was like Texas and it was indoor, I would have no problems making it an all-day affair. But technically, they can't even do it because the smaller levels have an extra round of the playoffs. Mm -hmm. You can't do it the way the, the, the playoffs are done in this state. Sorry, but you just can't do it. Right. So... Well, we're going to be wrapping up here. Good podcast, man. I really hope this next week is going to be just as packed with topics for the next um, the next next week that we do the podcast. Um, by that time, we're going to be uh, thinking about Bedlam. So it's, uh, it's about that time where your heart's going to be racing every single game. But you know what? I'm excited. And, Dan, man, this is the, the stretch of football that we all love. Amen to that, brother. Thank you for listening. This is Johnny and the Hawk Podcast. Check us out on Twitter and have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. 
Remember, you can follow Johnny Resendez as well as Dan Hawk on Twitter. Until next time, thanks for listening to Johnny and the Hawk. Also, for all the latest Oklahoma sports, check on newson6.com.